Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Why don't y'all give it up for Jesus one time? Come on, let's give Him our best. Lord, we love You, and You're worthy of all the honor. The second person that knows me and still loves me is my wife. And so, come on, let's give it up for her one more time. I love you, baby. I just, I just want to say thank you, man. What, what, what a, what a blessing. Thank you for, for honoring us like that. And, and uh, actually, uh, our f- five star Renee, y'all just saw her. She just uh, brought out the, le- the, the pulpit here. Um, she was talking to me about the notes and going through service, and she's like, and then they're gonna. And I said, we're doing this and this, and she goes, yeah. And then they're gonna, ha- he's gonna have you and Pastor Sandra come up. I was like, no, we're not. She's not coming up. What are we doing? What, why? And I didn't realize y'all were trying to trick us for uh, Pastor. You know, uh, Pastor Honor Month or Celebration Month or whatever it is. Thank, listen, I'm blown away. <laughs> we don't deserve any of that. We don't ask for any of that. We just, we're just so grateful to be able to pastor and, and uh, be in this city and uh, just give our heart and life uh, for people. You are the treasure. Jesus said that there was a, a field of great price and um, he left everything, sold it, went and uh, bought the field. And um, that's the treasure, us, you, the families in this community and so our family, you know, moved here 14 and a half years ago and, and uh, there's no plan B. The treasure was in this field in Knoxville and we're so thankful and grateful to get to be a part. And uh, let's go Vols. Come on, somebody. Yeah. And, and, and listen, you know, we know that Satan has power because Alabama's still pulling it off somehow. The devil is still empowering them somehow. I don't know. The devil is, the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. They can't hang on that long. They're about to get beat. Somebody say amen. Come on. It's going to be this week in Jesus name. They cannot contain what's about to happen, uh, in this, in this city. Listen, we're going to jump into the word. We, I promised you guys a Devo to finish Galatians five and six. We're going to film that this week and then we're going to put it on uh, YouTube. And so we'll probably get you a link or somehow our team will, uh, get that out to you. Be looking, um, pastor Justin will figure out how to get that out so y'all can watch and, and that the end of five and six in Galatians. And we're starting a series uh, just called God of Miracles this month. I, I just, God put it on my heart to, to speak on miracles for the rest of the year and just to have a, a miracle mindset and to be believing for miracles in our life. And we've already seen some miracles taking place and happening. And, and he's been stirring that in my heart because God's a miracle working God. Are you thankful God still does miracles? Uh, he's still, he's still speaking and he's still alive and he's still moving. And the reality is if, 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 if we don't have a supernatural God, then we're just another philosophy like all the rest of it. If we don't have a God that's speaking and doing miracles and signs and wonders and still involving himself in the situations of our life, then we're just the United Way. We're just the country club. We're just calm. We're, I mean, those are great things. But if we don't have the supernatural God, then we're, we're just a, a club that meets and meets each other and, and does some good things in our community. But the reality is we've got a God that's still involved and engaged and still working miracles. And we believe for the rest of this year to see him invade our life, invade our community, not just, not just to us, but also through us. God wants to do miracles through your life, to your coworkers and your family and your kids and, and whatever he's calling you to. And so God's still a, a miracle working God. Um, I, I, I want to I say one thing. We've got a lot of vision here and we're believing for, for God to continue to, to expand the vision of our, of our heart. And so uh, I want to invite you. We have something called Vision Partner Dinner coming up October 31st. Um, some of you got an invite to that. We have a Vision Partner team that literally funds the vision 
uh, above and beyond tithes and offerings. So let me just say, we're going to have a huge dinner here and um, we're going to lay out that vision. You can find it online and we'd love to invite you. Maybe you say, you know, I want to speed the vision of the, of the house. And then you'll get to kind of hear uh, first and foremost, the vision of next year and kind of the next five years of where we're headed. And so I'd love to invite you to that. Um, again, I think that's October 21st. Um, somebody shouted a different... 21st. Come on, somebody. October 21st on a Friday night. We'd love to have you there and just share the vision of where we're headed. Uh, let's jump into the word. Uh, I'm going to start with two passages of scripture today. And um, I really believe as I was praying about starting out this series on miracles, uh, God wouldn't let me go beyond these two passages before I, to lay a groundwork or a foundation for really the rest of the year. And I believe it's going to change some things in my life, uh, in your life. And so I really, if you can get these two things, this is probably one of the biggest things. If you want to see miracles in your life, uh, what, you, you won't expect me to be talking about what I'm talking about today, but it's probably the, the, the seedbed for the miraculous in your life, according to the scriptures, according to Jesus. Jesus marvels two times in the scriptures, only twice he marvels. Two times he freaked out. And the, both of the passages, and when, he, when the word says marveled, literally, like he jumped up on a table, freaking out, screaming, jaw on the ground. Come on, it's hard to impress God. It's hard to freak God out. And two times he marveled. And uh, I'm going to look at those today. And these are really uh, the foundation of just a miraculous move of God in our lives. Mark 6, 1 through 6. Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished. They were amazed. Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which was given him to such mighty work? What wisdom was given, was given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? So they're amazed. He's in Nazareth. This is the second time he's gone home. The first time they tried to kill him, they tried to run him off a cliff and he couldn't be killed. And, and so this is the second time. And this is the last time he goes back to Nazareth in his ministry. They, they say, well, they, we're astonished. We're amazed. What type, of, what type of power is this? What type of miracles is this? And then they, then they ask this question. Is this not the carpenter? The son of Mary, the brother of James, Josie, Judas, and, and Simon are not... Or not his sisters here with us. So they were, so they were offended. I mean, look at the, look at the progression. They were amazed. They were like, isn't this, not, isn't this Jesus? And then they were familiar. Then they were offended. And Jesus says, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor in his own country, among whom his own relatives in his own house. He's they've gone from a place of dishonor now. Now he could do no mighty work there. Didn't say that he wouldn't. Now he couldn't. Somehow the power of the almighty, the omnipotent one, the all-powerful one, the one with the spirit without measure is limited somehow. I don't understand it, but he, it says he could do no mighty work there. Except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. That's pretty good to me. <laughs> Did little miracles. Did little miracles in town but he could do no mighty work there. And then he, here's the commentary in six. It says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. But it didn't start with unbelief. It started with familiarity. Moved to offense. Moved to dishonor. And ended in unbelief. God couldn't do anything. But here's the opposite of the equation or the opposite of that whole picture, Matthew 8, 5 through 10. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, 
a centurion came to him pleading with him saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed and dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed him, and surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in all of Israel. My title for today is Miracle Mindset, Miracle Mindset. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for a miracle mindset. Would you uh, just really engrave into our heart your kingdom economy? Would you continue to put into us and renew us and help us to walk in a different way than the world walks? Help us to be in the world, but not of it, in our attitudes, in our mindsets, in our beliefs, in our actions, in our behaviors. Lord, help our belief systems so that our behavior lines up with what we believe. Thank you that you can change a heart today in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Miracle mindsets. Uh, miracle mindsets. I, uh, I, I fly on planes often. Come on, anybody uh, frequent flyer? Who's got all the frequent flyer points in here? Come on, anyone? Um, I love uh, to fly, kind of. I don't like to be frisked. I don't like to be molested. I don't like all that. That's what happens on planes now. And I don't like to be x-rayed. I don't like, I don't like any of that. Uh, but there are certain things I do like about planes. And so um, one thing that's kind of awkward about airplanes and flying is the window. Come on, anybody, any window people? Who likes the window seat? Come on. And y'all like the window seat? Come on, so, somehow, like, I, I mean, I, I'm upset if I have to sit by the window. But if I sit by the window, I'm in charge of the window. Come on, somebody. It's like these weird unspoken rules about the window, like the little shade on the window. It's unspoken. It's like if you're by the window, you have full authority of the window, right? I, when I sit by it, I enjoy looking out of it, but I don't really like to be cramped in the corner. But if I've got the window, I've determined I'm going to have power of the shade. And, and you watch people do it. I do it. You know, it's like everybody's looking out the window and all of a sudden you just look at them like <laughs> you're not asking permission. And they look at you like, you know what? You think you have authority to do that? And you're looking at them and then they begin to look out of the other row and the opposite windows to let you know that they want to look out the window, but you pretend like you're asleep and it all gets weird. You know what I mean? I don't know how they put windows in airplanes anyway. Like who decided like we're going to look at air from 30,000 feet like, woo, you know, but the reality is when I get a window seat, I begin to stare out of these uh, environments and I'm in awe. I'm, 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 I'm kind of blown away by the, by the clouds and by the environment and by looking down from 30,000 feet and seeing the rivers and the lakes and the streams and seeing the little tiny houses and counting who all's got swimming pools. Come on, anybody? And, and, and somehow, like, the perspective up there changes everything, like the, the magnitude and the miracle of the sunrise in and, and a plane from that perspective or the miracle of, of seeing, like, like, how small life really is and changing the perspective. Like, you know what? Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to work out. Like, my problems aren't so big from 30,000 feet. Like, he's got the whole world <laughs> In his hands, it's a it just changes like the paradigm and the mindset from that perspective. And I just want to say to you, like, like honor and, 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 and being, being honorable with one another changes a perspective in our mindset. 
changes the way that we actually look at life, changes the way that we deal with each other and with God. It gives us this higher perspective. It's a miracle mindset. It changes how I look at my marriage, my life, my wife, my kids. It takes the ordinary to the extraordinary. From 30,000, y'all hear the kids bumping in there? I know, man, that's our kids ministry. Come on, aren't y'all thankful for people reaching kids for Jesus? I know. Last week I was like, man, what what they got going on out there? I'm going to hear it the rest of the service now. <laughs> they might turn it down a little bit. Lisa, can you tell them just maybe a little bit? Thank, praise God. That's what I got to tell my 19-year-old in the basement. Maybe just a little bit. Can you turn that down? It, it, it changes the, the perspective of life when we get honored. Jesus is talking to a centurion. The centurion uh, is in one of Jesus' marvel moments. I mean, think about this. The centurion comes to Jesus. His, his servant's paralyzed, tormented. He, he, he can't move. And he, he comes up to Jesus with this unprecedented ask. It's never been asked before. This centurion is a bad dude. He, he is a, he's a soldier over 100 soldiers. He is, he is John Wick of the Bible, this dude. And, and, and literally, he comes up to Jesus and says, hey. In Mark 5, he says, he goes, would you, would you heal my servant? And Jesus says, I'll come heal him. I'm so thankful to serve a Jesus that'll go to anybody's house. I mean, like, like God and, and the Gentiles and the Jews weren't supposed to really interact. They weren't supposed to go to one another's home. There was, there was a lot of ceremonies and things. And they're like, well, these people aren't clean. And, and, and Jesus says, no, I'll go to his house. I'll, I'll show up and heal him. I, I, this is a church. Listen, this is a church where anybody can get involved and come in here and Jesus will say, I'll heal him. I'll, I'll take care of him. I'll love him. I'll bless him. Can we be that type of people? Jesus just says, I'll, I'll, I'll love, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm here, I'm the power of God, I'll, I'll do it. And the centurion says, no, 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 just, just say the word. I know that there's all types of ceremonies and you shouldn't come to my house and I don't want to inconvenience you and, and, and just speak the word. Verse nine tells us how we get to this point. Here's what the centurion says. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and this one come, and he comes, and this servant do what I say do, and he does it. And Jesus marvels, says, I've never seen this type of faith. The centurion's perspective is, I mean, never, this has never been done before. There's never been a long distance miracle, a text message miracle, never happened. (laughs) This centurion, unprecedented ask, unprecedented to walk up to Jesus and go, just say the word, Lord, and it'll happen. I don't need to, I don't even need you to come to my house. Jesus marvels. He's blown away. He's stupefied. He's impressed as the God of the universe. And in this moment, Jesus is another moment in his life. He marvels at unbelief right here. He marvels at belief and faith. The moment in Mark six, he marvels at unbelief. Think about the servant's perspective, paralyzed at home, tormented, laying there, Jesus says, your servant's healed. No warning. (laughs) The dude's in bed. Horrible morning. He's like, (laughs) I think I'll make some pancakes. (laughs) Can you imagine being that guy just laying there? Nobody's going to tell you. Like, you don't even know they're that you're going to get healed and all of a sudden you just begin to get free and healed. I mean, the perspective of this guy, Jesus just says the word. There's this, this, my point is this, this is the commentary on faith. 
This, this could be the Bible on faith. When you're wanting a miracle, we could preach this all day long, like faith and believe God and God's kingdom rule operates through faith and we build our whole life and this message around faith and if you just believe and we're going into a season of miracles and we need a miracle mindset and we just need to believe God and we need to have faith and if we believe and that's great. But I want to suggest to you and to myself as we go into this season, faith isn't the only thing that played a part in this. Faith is not, faith isn't what Jesus literally marveled at in the scenario. Jesus likens faith to something else in this scenario. So there was two things added together, two ingredients. So it's not just, hear me, it's not just the size of your faith. It's the scope of your submission. We can't talk about miracles and power of God and and God moving in our lives when, when, when the scope of our submission might not be where God wants it to be. Can I just be honest with you and pastor you today? And love you and tell you the truth. I mean, the reality is we're, we're in a culture that doesn't want submission. Jesus connects faith to submission. He says, I've never seen a centurion like that. I've never seen a man like that in all of Israel. I've never seen people of faith. He's looking at his disciples. I've never seen the disciples just do what I say without questioning it. I've never seen anybody just obey my word the way you just believe that the word would actually work in your life. I've, I've never seen it. So my question to me, my question to you is we're going into a, a, a season of miracles, of just, the, just talking about miracles, of miracle mindset. How big is your submission? And I mean, we're in America. Come on. We don't like it. And, 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 and Jesus is asking me, come on, this man walked away with a blank, blank check from Jesus. Because of the level of submission in his life. That's the kingdom. That's, the, that's how God operates. I'm going to give you some thoughts about submission and walking in submission. And, and then I'm going to talk about that story in Matthew 6 and Mark 6 at the end. But I, I just, the kingdom of God, the economy of God is this. You can't be over anything until you're under something. Come on, young people. You can't be over some stuff until you're under some authority. You got God, God's not going to put you over something. Come on, kids, to your parents. You can't be, you want, you want to have privileges and blessings. I'm going to help your parents out. Y'all better amen me. Come on, y'all. You, you want authority and you want to have some great things in your life. You can't be over anything until God allows you to get your heart up under your family and up under your parents and up under their authority. I can't be over until I'm under something. The centurion, he come, think about this. The centurion, the Romans hated the Jews. Here's a centurion that would look down on peasant Jews, look down on dirty Jews. They were, they, the, the Romans hated the Jews. And here is a man with all the power in the universe at the time, the most powerful man, a centurion over a full army coming and bowing his life to the feet of a peasant that he considered to be a king. I mean, what, what's the level of your, of your real submission when it comes to the word of God and to the things of God? Here's a couple thoughts about authority. Number one, God is the author of authority. God is the author of authority. You can't spell the word authority without the word author in it. You can't even say the word. And so every situation you find yourself in, you're, some of y'all are not going to like me today, because you got. You, but I'm just going to tell you, every situation you find yourself in, God has authored that authority in that situation. Whether it's at home, at school, at church, at work, in this country, in politics, and it, it, it doesn't matter. God, everybody's like, well, I've heard people say, well, you know, the, the authorities in the country aren't legitimate. Well, God, the, I'm just, I'm going to go there. The election was rigged. Whatever. God could unrig it. But he didn't. I'm not saying it was rigged. Don't go out here and be like, he said it was rigged. I didn't say that. <laughs> 
I'm just saying all the chatter. God is the, if he's the God of the universe, all authority that's in our world is from God. I don't, you don't know my boss. You don't know my God. You don't know my parents. You don't know your God. You don't know. Um, you don't know. You don't understand. You don't understand. Let me give you, let me give you some scripture. It's not gonna be on the screen. Write it down. Romans 13, one. This is Bible. I'm reading the Bible to you right now. Romans 13, one. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. You're like, why are you talking about all this when you're talking about miracles? Because this is how they start. This is how it starts. Everyone must submit to governing authorities for all authority. Can everybody say all authority. All authority comes from God. Again, this is, this is not Jamie's version. This is the new King James version. Don't leave here and get mad at me. All authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. That's what it says. So, so hear me. There's no authority in your life except from God. Verse two. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. I'm just trying to teach you today that, that I know you don't like the boss. I know you don't like the politicians. I know you don't like, but forget that Jesus. I know sometimes you don't like Jesus authority. When he tells you to stop being angry and choose to think different and stop sleeping around, and break free from your addictions and begin to treat them nicer. And I, I know we don't love when he begins to start talking and get it in our mess, but he has authority and his word has authority. And so, so really when you hear, hear me, when you have a problem with authority in your life, the authority, the authority that you can see in your life and how you treat that is a picture of the authority you can't see in your life, which is God. So when you push against authority in your life, and I'm talking in marriages, in, in workplaces, when you push against authority in relationships, in, in church settings, in business settings, wherever, when you push in, in governmental settings, when you push against those authorities, what you're saying is, God, you're not running the, my world right. I actually think that I could be a better authority in my world than you are. When you push against God's word to live pure and be holy, when you push against God's word to say this, this, when we begin to accept what's actually the Bible, this is the times we're in. The Bible says in the last days, they will call the unholy, holy and, and holy things unholy. And he said that our job is to discern the difference between the profane and the holy. And we have just watered down everything where everything's okay in the name of love. And I'm telling you, truth supersedes love first. And so, and so I, I love everybody, but there's a truth that I'm called to uphold. And there's authority that I'm called to walk under. And there's God's word that I'm called to, to, to live by and believe and ask God to give me the strength to day in and day out submit and surrender to. How big is my submission? Number two, rebellion leads to the opposite of freedom. Everybody's like, well, I'm doing whatever I want and everything goes and anything goes. And rebellion, if you've seen it, anybody ever been in a rebellious state? I have in my life and it led me to a lot of things other than freedom. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do it when I want. I'm going to do it's just. And then I'm, you're in a place of, 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 of a bondage and addiction and depression and a rebellion to God's word and to each other all through the scriptures. I mean, Adam and Eve were under one thing. Don't eat from the tree. Listen to me. They lost everything they were over. Because they wouldn't stay under one thing. Some of you are risking everything that you're over because you refuse to stay under that one thing. And, 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 
I mean, all through the scriptures, we see Lucifer. He was over all the worship in heaven, over everything. Lost it all because he wanted God's throne and wanted God's authority and lost everything he was over because he refused to stay under. God wants us to walk under authority. I don't want God's throne. Anybody else want anybody else got enough problems? <laughs> I, don't need, I don't need his throne. Number three, very simple. God is preparing you for authority with authority. God is preparing you for authority with authority. You're like, why, why am I under this un, unworthy authority? God, oft, listen to me, please hear me. God oftentimes makes you worthy of authority by putting you under unworthy authority. But let me say it this way. If you can't be tested, you can't be trusted. Have you ever seen a crash car, a test car? What do they do? They don't take that thing on the parkway. They revving that thing, crashing into walls, testing the brake. The car can't be trusted until it can be tested. And so the same thing for you and I, God wants to test our character and our maturity and our submission and how do we handle unholy and ungodly authority. Now, listen to me. I'm not saying put yourself in danger and stay up under, you know, something that's unbiblical or unhealthy or abusive. Hear me. I'm not saying stay up under that, but you can get out from under that in an honorable way. You, you, you can still remove yourself from a dishonorable authority in an honorable way. Does that make sense? And so God is prepping you and me to come up under authority with authority in our life. And we don't like it. And I'm asking you, can you serve your authorities that God's put in your life with all your heart, not just with lip service? Well, I don't know. Ask them. They in charge. I don't know. They make the rules. That ain't all your heart. I remember God tested me years ago with, a, with an unworthy boss, butted heads with this boss over and over and over. And finally, like I had to repent like it was me. Like they weren't, they weren't worthy, but it was me. And, 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 and I had to repent. I went and repented and humbled myself and said, I'm here to serve. I'm here to run your plan and your play. And, and when I did that, God actually honored me and promoted me and put me over some stuff because I was able to get under some stuff. I, I just want you to know, if you can get under the things God's asking you to get under, he'll put you over the things he wants to put you over. That's God's economy. Number four, constraints are liberating. Is this helping anybody? constraints are liberating. Some of you are like, man, I feel so constrained. I feel so guarded. How many of you have ever gotten on a roller coaster and when they put the little thing down you're, and, and it's loose a little bit, and you're like, oh God, come check it again. It's loose. It's got a little play in it. You know, you're like, oh my God, I'm gonna die. Click, 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 click. Ah, it's loose. <laughs> it's like, yeah, the, the, but if the constraint, you're pull, I pull that, I suck it in, pull it, pin myself in that thing, you know, I'm like, I want this thing so tight on me, you know, I want, because then I can enjoy the ride, no, I'm not going to die, constraints for you are, are, are liberating, like life, if you, if it's loose, you might, you're feeling like, man, I'm just so constrained, can I tell you this, the, the level of constraints on your life actually speaks to what, how much God wants to use you. The more you feel constrained, the more you feel, feel guarded, the more you feel like, man, it's just so tight all around me. I wrote it this way. The more constraints you have on you reveal what God wants to do through you. I mean, I, scripturally, it says the love of Christ constrains me. The Bible says where there is no prophetic revelation, the people cast off restraint. If you show me a man with restraint or a woman with restraint, I'll show you a man or woman with vision. People that have no vision do whatever they want with their life. Kids, listen to me. Young people, get a vision for your life. 
Parents, help your kids get a vision for their life. Quit putting all the constraints on them. If they get a vision, they'll put their own constraints on themselves. We got to have a vision for our life. And we get this liberating effect by constraints in our life. I, don't, I, I, I want your dreams to flourish. I want God to flourish. You want miracles to break out. Many of you are looking for the next job, the next thing, the next moment to liberate you. You have all you need right where you are. You, you have every, and God wants to flourish your dreams right where you are. And I know sometimes it feels constrained. Mark 6, 1 through 6, I'm going to close up. He marveled because of their unbelief. He starts and they're amazed at teaching and his works and his power. Town's a small town. Nazareth is 60 acres. Population 500. Anybody grew up in one of those towns? Everybody knows your business. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody says that Jesus walks in there. They're astonished. And then they say this. It's interesting. They say, isn't this the son of Mary, the carpenter? Isn't this Jesus? We know his family. Isn't this, they begin to get familiar. Isn't this, here's what's interesting. They say, isn't this the son of Mary? In Jewish culture, that you would always be named by your father. Isn't this the son of Joseph? The son of Abraham, the son of Isaac, the son of Jacob. What they were doing was they were reminding him of the scandalous birth that he was involved in still. 30 some odd years later, they're still holding the shame over his head in that small town, still saying, isn't this the illegitimate son of Mary, the carpenter? Wasn't there a bunch of scandal around his life? You know what familiarity does? It casts shade and shame on each other. When you begin to get familiar in your marriage and familiar with your boss and familiar with your pastors and familiar with your job and familiar with your surroundings and familiar with, with the government and familiar with the freedom we have in this country and familiar with the gas prices and familiar with that. When you get familiar, all of a sudden you begin to cast shade and shame. Isn't this? I, I do it. We all do it. And the reality is he, they go from this place. Get me. They go from this place of familiarity that casts shame to a place where they get offended and they were offended. It's a weird progression to get, go from familiarity to offense. This is where I'm talking to you in the seed ground of miracles right here. Familiarity leads to offense. Here's what it sounds like, man. They're not anybody special. What are they trying to prove? You see the, you see the subtle progression. I'm familiar. They're nobody special. Why are they trying? Man, I, I know their background. Why are they telling me what to do? Man, I've been at this job longer than them. I know their degree. How'd they get promoted? Man, they just showed up in church. I tried out four times for the singing. And why are they up on the platform singing now? They can't sing as good as me anyway. Familiarity. Offended. And we know this guy, Jesus. Why is he trying to do all these miracles? Why is that church talking about miracles for the rest of the year? Why is he trying to, why are they, familiarity leads to offense and they refuse to believe. You ever gotten offended at someone and refused to believe anything good about them? <laughs> oh, it's quiet in this church. <laughs> well, they got married. We'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> They're so happy now. That's a fake selfie smile if I've ever seen one. Refuse to believe anything good. 
because you got a fence in your heart. And I, I just want to ask you, where have you gotten familiar with Jesus? Where, where has he become? He's my friend, but where has he become your buddy where it's just grace and you don't really have to do what he says and I'm just a little offended at what he's asking of me? Where have you gotten familiar with your spouse? Where have you lost the 30,000 foot view of your kids and your, and your job? Where have you begun to complain? It just changes the outlook. Where have you begun to refuse to believe God in the situation of your life? Well, I've been in this Christian thing for 25 years. I went to Christian school. I went, blah, you know, we, we can all, I've been in it. And wherever you began to refuse to believe that God could do anything new, offense led to unbelief. Jesus said a prophet is without honor in his hometown. He literally sums it all up to a lack of honor. That's why I'm dealing with honor today when we're thinking about miracles. I want gratitude. Gratitude is the miracle ground for, for, for faith to grow in, for miracles to happen. Gratitude is the ground that we sow our faith into and miracles literally come out of. Gratitude is that says, you know what? I'm so thankful I got five bucks a gallon to pay. Oh. I'm so thankful that I got some legs to go to work on. I'm so thankful I got my health. I did a funeral last night of a 67, or I was at a funeral of a 67 year old man that lost his fight with cancer. The family's still believing it. I'm so thankful I got another day. I'm so thankful that you changed my life. I'm so thankful that I can bless other people. I'm so thankful I got a spouse and kids. I'm so thankful and grateful. Oh man, it just changes some things when gratitude begins to get on the scene. I'm so thankful that our country can vote for people and they can get in there and I don't even have to like them. <laughs> dishonor disables the power of God. When we dishonor, it always limits God's power in our life. I just want to encourage you to get your 30,000 foot view, like, like, like put the window shade up in the airplane today. Like just begin to get that, that magnitude and that perspective, like a miracle mindset. Dishonor in the Bible literally means, or honor in the Bible literally means weightiness. If I give you weight, if your words have weight, if your words have value, when we give God honor, his words have value. Dishonor in the Hebrew, the picture of dishonor literally is like the, the mist in the morning that evaporates quickly. Like the, light, the mist that you can just, that's dishonor. Several years ago, my, my son was playing Little League football. Playoff game, big playoff game. Over at the fields, everybody's rallied up. Kids are stretching. <laughs> Cheerleaders are cheering. <laughs> I'm stupid, sorry. And, and, and all, all the boys are rallied around the huddle. Coach says, hey, take a knee. There's a fence, there's a chain link fence. And I'm standing on this side with all the parents and different people and their kids are over there. And all of a sudden there's a little clamor. <sighs> Clamoring starts happening. You can feel like a little, little distraction, little boys are distracted. You look over and, and, and there's, there's um, uh, our quarterback. Uh, um, oh gosh, he plays in the NFL now. Pittsburgh Steelers, that's my help me. Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs is over there. And, 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 and Kelly. Todd Kelly. Todd Kelly's over there. NFL guys. Everybody knew they were going to the NFL. They're standing there. Everybody's like, oh. The boys start standing there looking. They're looking like, oh. One mom, she called. Her husband's out in the parking lot. She calls on her phone. She's like, bring a Sharpie. Bring a Sharpie. Bring a Sharpie. She's like, bring a Sharpie. We're going to get an autograph. We're getting an autograph. Bring a Sharpie. Bring a Sharpie. When the kids start going, Josh, throw me a pass. Throw me a pass, Josh. Josh starts. 
you know, they throw the ball over to him. Everybody's clamoring. And finally, a dad on the other side of the fence, a dad's like, hey, boys, you're about to fight a fight. You're about to play a game. Coach has asked you to get on your knee down here. Coach has asked you to listen to what he said. Hey, get back in this circle over here. Quit getting distracted by trying to honor the wrong thing right now. And we're in a culture that's trying to push honor in all the wrong directions. And we're distracted. And God's saying, hey, team, come on, would you bend your knee? Would you, would you surrender a little bit to my word? Coach has some plays for you to run. There's some things he wants to say to you. There's some things that he got, has to get into you. Could, you. could you circle up and huddle up in your church and in your home and in, in your community? And could you, could you come around the play and could we begin to honor and surrender? Can I tell you that you can't be anointed unless you bow your head? That God blesses surrender and God blesses our submission and we want miracles to happen and I want miracles. I looked at my wife this morning right in worship and I repented for a little bit of dishonor I, did, I said to her yesterday. We were coming back from a ride from, a, from that funeral and she was saying some things and I looked at her like she, like she was bothering me. And she said, when we got home and everybody wasn't there, she said, you know, you looked at me when I was saying that like my words didn't matter. You, you, you looked at me like I was saying something and I was, you looked at me like I was stupid what I was saying in those moments. And I told her, I was like, I'm sorry. And I, and I said, sorry there. And I apologize. But this morning as I'm getting ready to preach and prepare to preach on honor, I just looked at her and I said, I'm sorry. That, and I said this, I said, I'm sorry if I dishonored you. And then I said, no, no, no. I'm sorry that I did dishonor you. And I'm sorry that I didn't put weight and value on your words. And I'm sorry that I acted that way in the car. I don't know where you need to surrender. I don't know where you need to, to bow your knee today. Maybe God's asked you to do something and you know you haven't obeyed it yet. You know you're still looking for a Sharpie. God's saying, would you just bow your knee in this area? Just obey. You, 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 you're just obeying that one area. Just that one thing. You know what it is for you. Maybe you've gotten familiar with your family or your spouse or your friends or your church. Serving God, singing songs, prayer. I don't know. Maybe you've never surrendered your knee to Jesus. Maybe you have never said, you know what, Jesus? I surrender. I've been doing it in my own strength and I actually want you to be my savior and my Lord. Can I pray for you today? I believe for miracle mindsets in this place. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you would sink this into my heart deep. I, I thank you for giving me the strength to be vulnerable and be open up here. I pray it helps somebody. I pray for my wife who has to deal with me every day. I pray for this house. I pray as we move into a season, believing you for miracles, I pray against every demonic attack on our families and every attack that the enemy would try to shut us down or stop our, our miracle mindset or bring in any attitude that's not an attitude of surrender and honor and submission to you and your word. Lord, I surrender my life to your word again today. I surrender my, my life to the several things you've asked me to do that I haven't yet. I, I bow my knee again to your plan and your play today, oh God. I thank you for a house of miracles. I thank you that you're a God of miracles and that you would marvel at our surrendered God. That we would not be dishonorable to you or offended by you. We wouldn't cast shame on one another or look at each other in the flesh, but we'd look at each other in the supernatural, that we're your kids and in your image and you love all of us, oh God. 
If you're in this place today and you say, you know what, pastor, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. Maybe you're watching online and you know you've never made a fresh start with God. The Bible says this, that literally, that, that if you give your life to Jesus, if you surrender to Jesus and let him be the Lord of your life, you get a fresh start with God. The Bible says that Jesus came to this planet, lived a perfect, sinless life, did everything we couldn't do, went to a tree, died on our behalf, took our shame, our guilt, our mistakes, took our pride, took all of that, nailed it to a tree, took every bit of uh, trauma we've ever been through, took all of the regret, took all of the diseases, took all of what the earth could throw at us and nailed it to a tree. And then he rose from the dead to give you and I a fresh, clean start, a brand new start in our heart. If that's you today, no one looking around, heads bowed. I'm not going to embarrass you, stand you up or bring you forward. But if you're online or you're in this room, would you just would you just slip your hand to me right now? If you say, Pastor, I need a fresh start with God. I need a clean slate. I'm ready to believe that Jesus is my Lord. Would you put it up high and let me pray for you? I need a fresh start with God. If you're online, would you just type in fresh start right now? I need a fresh start with God. I'm going to pray with you, church. If you need to pray this prayer with me, just pray it out with your mouth and believe in your heart right now. Father, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for dying for me, for taking my shame to give me honor taking my pain to give me life. I believe that you took all my sin and regret and all my failures and mistakes and you nailed them to that tree. I believe you did it for the past, present, and future. I believe you rose from the dead to give me a brand new heart. I I repent and turn from my old wicked ways. I turn to you today. Fill me with your spirit. Give me the authority and power to serve you with a miracle mindset the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, come on. Amen. Amen, amen. Let's give God praise in this place. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.